The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. I go to a lot of churches. I like y'all's church. Also, happy birthday. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that when I met you. Happy birthday. Real talk. I mean, I really mean that. I go to a lot of churches. I meet a lot of pastors. I meet a lot of women in ministry. But Sarah, where'd you go? You're, a, you're the real deal. I'm, I am feeling some Sarah. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. Um, this is what God's been teaching me for the last year. He's been teaching me a lot about agreement. And um, we're not even going to talk about that today. <laughs> It's just for me. It's just for me personally. Uh, he's been teaching me a lot about agreement. Just basically asking me over and over again this one question. Jess Connolly, do you agree with me? Do you agree with me? Um, and so I believe in a culture of agreement. Have you guys used that phrase? Y'all use that phrase here? We believe in a culture of agreement. In my church, we believe in a culture of agreement. My husband and I um, started a church. We planted a church in Charleston, South Carolina, which... Should get a whoop whoop. Um, it is, this is, a lot of people like their city. I don't know how y'all feel about Oklahoma City. A lot of people like their city, but Charleston is like actually literally voted the number one city in America for like three years in a row. Um, so we are really just suffering through that call of, you know, like going to the beach a lot and um, eating great food and like, I'm, I'm, I'm bragging. We love Charleston. And my husband and I started a church in downtown Charleston. It's a wild, rowdy, little, messy church. Um, and we can't get enough of it. We love it. We love what we get to do. Um, I love church planners. I think it's the funnest thing in the kingdom. Um, but in our church, we say that we have a culture of agreement. And so what that means is that um, if I'm talking, I want you to agree with me. If you don't, I don't want to know. But if you do agree, I would like to know because I would like us to agree right now that this is not a recital, this is a revival. So I don't want you to think that I'm here to perform or even that I'm here to inform. Um, I'm here to agree that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life and in my life. And I want to tell you right now that Charleston's the number one city in America and October is our glory month. Like that's when it just gets good. Everybody else goes home and uh, most of the tourists are gone and we're like enjoying like 72 days at the beach, 72 degree days at the beach. Liza is my assistant. She's here with me and her husband sent a video of dolphins this morning. He was out on the boat like watching the dolphins swim leisurely by. Um, So I don't leave Charleston in October unless I think God wants to change the world. I'm dead serious. I don't leave Charleston in October and I would not be here if I did not agree with God that he wants to change your life and my life and literally the world and literally eternity. And I want to know right now if you guys will agree with me about that. Because I don't think you're here on accident. I don't think you're here on Saturday morning because you need a break. I don't think you're here because a friend brought you. I don't think you're here because you were confused. I think you're here because God said, I want to use this span of time, that Friday night and that Saturday morning to literally change your life and your city and the world and literally change the face of eternity. And so will you guys agree with me right now about that? I want to tell you that God has changed my life. I wouldn't leave if I didn't think he was going to change my life. I, the day I stop traveling to speak is the day that I stop believing um, that God wants to, to shift my heart when I go. So last night when I sat under Sarah's teaching, literally it changed my life. And when I heard Elaine, I let God literally change my heart and change my life. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Y'all could go watch reality TV. That'll be better for you if you don't believe right now that God wants to change your life. So let's pray and agree about that. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you are here. Father, you have wooed us with your love, with your power, with your presence. You've made a way for us to come into this place, to come into relationship with one another, to physically be here and to spiritually be here. And so we would say, could you not waste it? Would you take this room? Would you take this hour? 
Holy Spirit, would you be gentle, but would you be complete? Would you speak clearer than I ever could? With more power, would you change our lives? Would you change our cities? Would you change the world? Would you change eternity in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, so I don't typically start off that serious. I'm sorry. I just was feeling it, and I'm feeling you guys, and I'm feeling Sarah, and it's his birthday, so I just feel like we need to do the thing, okay? Here's what's not going to happen. Here's what's not going to happen. You're never going to confuse me with that, right? So Sarah told y'all people thought that was her. Like, nobody thought it was me. I'll tell you that right now, right? One of these things is not like the other. Um, (laughs) Balance, poise, on point. I literally, I mean, I literally was laughing. My husband, like on the way out, he was like, hey, hey, tell me again, like, what's this conference about? What are you you teaching on? I was like, well, it's called on point. And they're talking about balance. And he was like, (laughs) he was like, have they met you? I was like, no, it's fine. It's cool. It's going to be fine. Um, It's cool. It's great. Um, my most recent book, the first word in the book is dance. So like you might think, you might conjure up images of this. Um, actually, when my publisher first sent me covers of the book, it was like a pretty dancer. And I was like, you're drunk. Like that's not what this is about. Um, when I think about dance, I want to tell you all what I think about. Um, I think about like booty dancing. Like I think about Beyonce. That's more like how I like to move. That's how my body gets down with like the curves and the short limbs. It's not like it's not that. It's, it's a little more of this situation. Uh, that's what I think about when I think about dancing. But I do love to dance. And I'm going to tell you a little bit in a, in a little bit why I love to dance. The other thing I think about, um, how many moms in the place tonight? Yeah? If you're not a mom, it's okay. This is going to apply to you soon. Um, something happens once you raise like a one-year-old or a two-year-old. Um, and you start trying to like dance to make them laugh. And suddenly that's like the only way you know to dance for the rest of your life. So I will think it will be at a wedding and I'll think like I'm actually really dancing. And then I realize I'm like, eat the peas. Like that's the dance I'm doing, but we're at a wedding. Um, or I'm like, go to sleep. I love you. Go to bed. It's just like all weird mom dancing after that period. I don't, that's like, that's, I think I look like Beyonce, but I really look like Snuffleupagus. And it's just a whole big situation. It's bad news bears. Um, I think about, um, I think about that when I think about dancing. How many of you guys like bar? Bar's a whole thing right now. Not going to bars. Different conference girls. Bar the workout. Any, no, no, y'all don't do bar in Oklahoma City? Few of you do. Bar, it's where you, um, it's where you go to be miserable. Uh, I didn't think of words. Also, I'm not a bar girl. Like, there's nothing, like, tight and, like, long about me. Um, so I went one time. First of all, I didn't know you were supposed to, like, basically look like a ballerina to go. Um, and I went, and there were all these, like, like, very, like, toned women with, like, fantastic things going on. Um, and I was wearing like sweatpants and like a big t-shirt because that's what I wear to work out. Um, and they had like the, like whole attire with like, can I, can we say, can we pause you guys? Why do sports bras, why have they got the like strappy things now? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Why does every sports bra like cross in the front and like 18 straps on the back? I just need an over the shoulder boulder holder that like keeps it in duct tape sometimes. Like I don't need the straps. I don't want to like have like tan lines after I work out, but all the girls at bar, I know y'all, I know y'all bar girls, you have like diamonds on your sports bras and like it's strappy and there's like a pattern and it makes like a shadow on the floor of like a butterfly. It's a whole thing. I just want like two layers of lycra and like, let's go. Um, so I went to bar and it's just like over and over and over again. They're like, lift, tighten. I'm like, it doesn't tighten. It doesn't like that doesn't get any tighter. Okay. I've had four kids and I like chips. So I just like, don't know what to tell you. This is as tight as it gets. Okay. That's what I said. I actually went to, I really, that's a true story. I went to a bar class. My neighbor taught it. And I was like, I, she was like, just, just like tighter. I was like, I, I'm leaving. I can't. Does it work? So one of these things is not like the other. Balance. Furiously taking notes. As Sarah preaches yesterday. Furiously taking notes. Um, <laughs> here's, here's what my life looks like in balance, okay? Um, so does anybody like LaCroix? LaCroix? 
Anybody like LaCroix? What's your favorite flavor? Mango gross. Who else? <laughs> what? Lemon? Barf. Any grapefruit in the house? Okay, okay. So if you, either, if you like LaCroix, you love LaCroix, right? You can't guess it's the only water you drink. Um, I have, for the longest time, I hated LaCroix. And I would look at people and I would, I would say, I don't believe you. Like, I don't believe that you like it. I think you're lying. Um, I think you think it's cool. I don't like LaCroix. I also don't like shiplap. So I feel like not, I'm not a white girl. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't like LaCroix or shiplaps. I'm super into Joanna Gaines, but like, I, no shiplap, please. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't feel like I fit sometimes. Um, but so I hate LaCroix. I've hated it my whole life. I know it's a really cool thing right now, but I'm not feeling it. Um, until one day this summer, I was on vacation and I was at a friend's house on vacation and I opened her fridge and there was like three or four LaCroix and something in my spirit shifted. And I was like, I love LaCroix. <laughs> and I like reached out and took one and never looked back. And now in my fridge, you do not walk into my fridge. I feel physically nervous if there's less than 36 LaCroix in the fridge. We have a whole shelf. If somebody takes like number 35, I'm like, you have to replace that because we have to have 36 at all times. Not one. I need 36. I need to know that tomorrow I could have 36 LaCroix. Like I went literally from like death to night, day to light. Like I hate LaCroix. I love LaCroix. I love LaCroix. That's what balance looks like in my life. I just wrote two books. Um, I just actually just wrote a third book that has it. It comes out next year. Um, and so right before my second book came out, my publisher came to me and they were like, Hey, we actually want to just go ahead and like get you down for a few more books. I was like, okay, great. Three isn't enough. Apparently cool. Um, let's write some more. And I was thankful. I was like, great. I'm loving it. Job security is nice. So like how many more books do you want me to write? I'll sign that contract. Um, they're like, we want, we want you to write four more books and you get to decide what they're about. So you get to just decide like who, who you want to, what you want to say, who you want to talk to. They were like, we just have one book that we really want to like tell you what it's going to be. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And they said, we think we'd like one of your books to be called Take It Too Far. And I was like, you guys know me. You love me. Um, about a year ago, the Lord gave me the word, take it too far. And he said like, tell yourself, tell your church, tell your husband. It's time to take it too far. Specifically, I felt like it was for my husband. Um, but now we just say it all the time about everything. Take it too far. Take it too far. Um, and so I felt so heard and loved by my publisher that they knew. They've heard me say it just a few times online or heard me say it at conferences. And they were like, we want you to write that book. Take it too far. So I just want you to know what you've gotten yourself into at this conference about on point and balance. When you had the crazy LaCroix lady um, come who does not like bar and her next book is going to be called Take It Too Far. Is that okay? Fair. Good. Let's go. Um, here's what I want to talk to you about. One thing and one thing only about balance. I think it's real. I've, I furiously needed Sarah's message. Um, I needed to hear it. But I want to tell you about one kind of balance that is busting us up in the church right now. It is a massive problem. I believe that I feel it and I believe that you feel it too. And I believe that if we will start to agree with God's solution, we'll change the world. And here's what it is. We planted our church about four years ago. Um, and I have been in a lot of churches. My husband and I have served in a lot of churches. We've helped plant other churches. And I had seen a lot of pastor's wives. I'd seen a lot of women in ministry. And I had kind of like categorized them all. Um, you know how people have like the fun like categories of moms? Like there's like the park mom and there's like a working mom. Like I had categorized, I, I could like write a book on just every different kind of pastor's wife or woman in ministry or female pastor. I just felt like I'd seen them all. And I had this unique opportunity to decide which kind I was going to be. But the biggest choice I felt like I had to make was, am I going to be a woman of grace or am I going to be a woman of truth? Am I going to be the pastor's wife that you want to have coffee with? Or am I going to be the one that you want to learn the Bible from? Felt like I had that choice to make in my life. And that was difficult because I love the Bible and I love coffee. And I, was, I'm not, I was, just wasn't really sure. Like, I don't know, God, I love women. I love your word. I love what you tell them. I love when you talk to them. I love when you tell us what to do. I think you're good. I think you're holy. But I also, like, really don't want to hurt people's feelings. And I really want to be liked. I'm super into that. 
So I felt like I had this choice to make. Am I going to be? Am I going to be like the fun, gracious woman leader who people want to spend time with and want to talk about their problems to? want to go on walks with and want to have coffee with and want to invite to their parties? Or am I going to be a truth-filled one that they maybe respect, that they maybe honor a little bit, but they don't really actually want to hang out with her? Um, And I made the wrong choice, to be honest with you. Um, I chose that I wanted to be a woman of grace more than I wanted to be a woman of truth. I'm going to talk about in a little bit what... um, what the right choice would have looked like. But um, I decided, you know what, I'd re- I just would rather be liked. I'd rather have friends. I, d- I don't think I'm all that respectable anyway, so I'm not going to go that route because I'll let them down real quick. But if they just want somebody fun, then they'll get somebody fun. I'll talk about reality TV with them. I'll go shopping with them. I'll, like, talk about lipstick. Um, when they tell me their problems, I'll say, like, that's real. I feel that. Yeah, girl, uh-huh. Um, but I'm never going to, I'm never going to like say hard stuff to them. I'm just not going to do it. And, um, to be honest, we had just launched Wild and Free. We had just, um, put out Wild and Free. Also, who doesn't like the the book Wild and Free? Like, let's be Wild and Free. Like, that's, that's what I stepped into. I'm going to be that girl. And I still very much stand by that message and believe in it. Um, but I had taken it too far, which is, you know, also another book title, but, we just launched Wild and Free, and I really started to feel this ache in my soul. I started to feel lonely. I started to feel like what was inside my heart could never really agree with what was outside of my life. And the truth of what was inside my heart is that I think about God all the time. I literally can't get enough of him. The truth is I love the word of God. I, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm not scared of it. The truth is, I feel like God talks to me all the time. Just all the time. Just wakes me up in the morning talking to me. And I feel like he puts me to bed telling me stuff. But I was so scared to let that come out of my mouth and come out of my everything. And so I just hid it. I hid my holiness. I hid who he had made me to be. And I believed a very, very, very busted lie that women could not be full of grace and also full of truth. And I'm not going to say it's been tidy walking out of that. Um, I started writing Dance, Stand, Run. You would think like maybe the first thing I would do would be to like go to friends or go to like, go to, go to these people that I had led and say like, we need to change. But I was like, I'm going to just go write about it first. Maybe if I write about it and slide the book across the table and say like, I think this would be better. Um, that's, that's kind of the plan I went with. Like use my words, but quietly. Um, Started writing the book, Dance, Stand, Run, and originally it was just about holiness. It was just about holiness. Just really asking the question, have we forgotten about holiness? And I think we have. I know that I had. I, have, I had believed in my heart 100%, like totally agreed in my heart that God was holy. I just didn't remember it all the time. I just didn't think on it all the time, and I didn't talk about it at the time. And when I talked about him, I tend to talk about him as like this friend, this pal, this compadre, which he is. But I forgot to talk about him as otherworldly, obsessed with his own glory, incredibly mighty, powerful, near and far all at once. I hid God's holiness, and I also forgot that he made me holy. And here's what I found, that when people in the church were talking about holiness, we we wanted to quiet them and shut them up because what they were talking about was how everyone else wasn't holy. Still to this day, to be honest with you, if you hear most pastors or teachers or preachers talk about holiness, they're drawing lines in the sand and telling everyone that they're wrong. And so I didn't want to be that girl, and I forgot the truth of God's word, 1 Peter 2, 9, that he said, you are 
a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Set apart. Brought into marvelous light to bring everybody else with you. I forgot this one like very basic truth about holiness. And it's this, that we do not become more holy. We do not work to become holy. We do not strive to become more holy. We don't clean up our lives to get holy. We don't even act holy. We just have one opportunity. And that is this, to agree with God that he's already made us holy. To agree with God that he's already made us holy. Some of you just, just an hour ago crossed from death to life and did this weird thing where we look at Jesus and say like, I want you, I'm in. Don't overthink it. It's that simple. You did it. It's done. You became a sister in Christ, a daughter of the King, just like that. You were purchased into a family today and you're already holy. In fact, you are as holy right now, daughter of God, as you'll ever be. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you were thinking about during worship. I don't care about the broken sins that you've never told anyone about. If you are in Christ and you have done the magical thing where you look at him and you say, I'm in you, I want you, I choose you, you are as holy right now as you'll ever be and you have the rest of your life to do one thing agree with it agree that that's what he said about you and so there's an idea of balance that I am just wading into right now and it's the idea that we were never meant to choose grace or truth we were never meant to believe that God is gracious or he is holy. We were meant to be both women of grace and truth all at once. And we were meant to take God for what he's offering, which is so much grace and so much truth all at once. So I'm going to unpack this for you super quick. And this is what I mean. John 1 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And if you want to know what I mean, here's what I mean. Um, Does anybody love actual Jesus? Do you guys know what I mean when I say actual Jesus? I don't love, yeah, she loves actual Jesus. Me too. I don't love like supposed Jesus. I don't love who people make Jesus out to be. So some people say he's like a pacifist, like he's like super gentle hippie with like long flowing hair and like maybe he's totally a vegan and he was just like here to be nice, like not so much. Like he didn't play like that. I don't love that supposed Jesus. He's not like that. He's not effeminate and weak at all. The, the, the times he accessed weakness the most, he did full of strength and power, like when he went to the cross on our behalf, which was actually a very strong move full of justice. He's not, he's not really weak. I don't like when people make him out to be like a barbaric politician either. I don't like when people paint him like that. Like he was just crusading and like telling everyone they were busted and awful. You know, the only time Jesus ever drew a line, it's my favorite story, when they bring him an adulterous woman, they bring him a woman who's been in just massive sin and the leaders of the church bring the adulterous woman to Jesus. They say it's the weirdest, coolest story ever about Jesus because actual Jesus is pretty incredible. They say that in the Bible, it says that actual Jesus got down on the ground and that he started drawing in the sand. What? (laughs) There, all the leaders are around him and they're like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? She sinned. She's a cheater. She's the worst. We caught her. What are you going to do? You know what actual Jesus does? He gets, gets down. We don't know what he's drawing. Some people say, I've heard theologians say like maybe he was writing out the sins of the men who were standing around him trying to condemn her. But we just know he's drawing a line in the sand. All I want to tell you is that the only time Jesus drew a line in the sand, it was the religious people who were wrong. 
He was on her team. So he's not some crazy crusader saying like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're unholy. Like, that wasn't actual Jesus. Here are some things actual Jesus did. Peter, one of his good friends, his disciples, like the worst. He's so crazy. I super resonate with Peter. Peter always took it too far, always. Right before Jesus dies, Peter denies him. He's like, I don't know. I don't know that guy. I don't know. I'm not with him. One of the most gracious things that actual Jesus did is after he's risen from the dead and after he appears to the disciples, he cooks breakfast and goes on a walk with Peter. That, that's a story that when you believe is actually historical will blow your mind. Actual Jesus who was denied his, his friends, his best friends turned their backs on him and the people that he came to save took him to the cross and said, you're the worst, we hate you. And then he died for the sins of everyone and then he rose again and then they still didn't super believe in him and some of them were still confused and he had to say like, look, it's me, I died, I'm back, I'm here. And then he poofs in and out of walls. The whole thing is crazy and he stays on earth for a little bit and the disciples do the only thing they know to do, which is go back to what they were doing before they met Jesus, totally unaffected. And he shows up on the shore. They were fishermen before he met them and when, he, when he's gone, they're not really sure what to do. So they're like, oh, I guess we'll fish again. He shows up on the beach and he's like, guys, fishing for real? Like, I just died. Anne Rose again. You're back fishing? Come on, let me make you some breakfast. The Bible says he made him breakfast. And then he says, Peter, come on, let's go on a walk. Come on. Actual Jesus, man, he is gracious. Gets right up next to his best friend who denied him. And loves him and says, hey, you're going to, like, we're going to build this whole church on top of you, on your shoulders. You're going to lead this thing. You kook. (laughs) You nut job. I love that you take it too far. Actual Jesus was incredibly gracious and then also full of truth because actual Jesus at one point told Peter, like, get behind me, Satan. Calls him Satan. Is like, leave me alone, you crazy. Like, he's full of grace, but actual Jesus is full of truth. Actual Jesus, here's some other things he did. Um, I I love what Jesus does with Mary when he's dying, when he's on the cross says that he looks down, he sees Mary, his mom, and he looks at John and he says, John, this is your mom, Mary. I want you to take care of her from now on. And he says, Mary, this is your son, John. I want, I want you to be his now, okay? He's thinking about his mom, thinking about his mom when he dies for the sins of the world. Like, Jesus, you are a good, a good father and a good son. All in one, weird, the Trinity. Actual Jesus, man, like loves Mary, loves women. Actual Jesus loves women enough to tell them when they're wrong. Earlier in his ministry, he comes full of truth. Mary, his mom, comes looking for him. And this is the only way I can paint this story in the Bible. Mary comes um, when Jesus' ministry is really picking up. She comes with some of his brothers and sisters and is like, hey, we're here for, uh, to see Jesus. He's one of ours, you know, he's part of our family. Like she wants like to sit on the front row a little bit, you know, just things are working out for Jesus now. So I'm his mom. I'm the mother of Jesus. Tell me you wouldn't be like that. I would. (laughs) I'd be like, it's just me. It's just me, the one that birthed the savior here. (laughs) Do you guys have a green room? (laughs) You know what actual Jesus says? Full of grace because he loves his mom, but full of truth. He looks at the disciples and he says, who are my mother? Who's my mother and who's the, who are my brothers? The ones who are doing ministry with me. Who is my mom and who are my brothers? The ones who are pounding the pavement with me. I think he's saying to his mom a little bit like, I know you're my mom, but like, these are my people. Actual Jesus was very truthful. 
and full of grace at the same time. Actual Jesus is going into Jerusalem. He's going to to face his death, which he's the only one that knows is coming. He's telling everyone, no one's listening. And he gets to the gates of Jerusalem and he weeps. He says, these people are harassed and helpless and they're broken and they need a savior. And he is busted and he cries over the people in the city. Actual Jesus like felt pain for his people. He carries pain for his people still today. And actual Jesus is full of truth. And he goes into the city and he goes into the church and he tips over the tables and he says, you're a bunch of snakes stealing from people. But man, I love you. I'm going to die for you. Stop robbing from my people. Actual Jesus died for you. Like an actual, historical, totally human, totally eternal and holy and fully God man. Not a myth, not a story. Actual Jesus dreamed you up with his father and set a plan into motion and said, I want her. I'm not coming home without her. Actual Jesus said, when you were at your very worst, Romans 5 says that at just the right time, what do you think would be, if I, if I would pick the time that God would save me, I would pick the time that like, maybe I've gotten my life together and maybe I've tidied it up and maybe I've cleaned up my act and maybe I'm on the right path. But Romans 5 says that at just the right time, when you are an enemy of God, Jesus looked and was like, that one, she's mine. Actual Jesus is more gracious than we could ever imagine. And yet actual Jesus is full of truth. And he went to the cross, not as some benevolent pacifist act. He went to the cross to die for your sin and for my sin. Because the only way for him to be full of grace was to also be full of truth and say, somebody's got to pay the price here. We cannot talk about Jesus being gracious without in the very same breath saying that he was full of truth. And that is a balance that will change our lives if we begin to agree that that is who he is. If we stop trying to fit him into a model or a box or pit him as one or the other, It will change our lives. I want to tell you, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, but what might a group of women, what might a generation of women do if they knew how gracious God was? I think they'd dance. That's why we call it dance center. I think they'd dance. I think we'd start dancing and we wouldn't stop. I think if we knew what we'd been pardoned from, if we knew how massively incredible it is that Jesus leaned in toward us and said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care who you are. I just want you. I just want to be with you. I think we'd start dancing and we'd never stop. And yet, I don't think we'll feel the weight of grace until we feel the burden of sin and what keeps us from him and what kept us from him. I don't think we'll celebrate. I don't think we'll want to dance until we know just how good it is and we won't know how good it is until we start to remember that he's holy And he can't be near us unless he makes a way. And we won't feel the strength of that grace until we start to grasp. He didn't just let me in the back door. I mean, that would be good news. The good news would be this. This would be good news. You're a mess. All of y'all. But I I just feel bad for you. And so I want to let you in the back door of the kingdom. And maybe if you could like earn your keep. If you could do some stuff, if you could just take, if you could do some work while you're here on earth and when you get to heaven, just make sure you sing good because like, it's going to be a long time. Just try not to be such a mess. Okay. That would be good news. Honestly, if we're all destined for hell, 
That would be good news, that we would be let in the back door of the kingdom. But that's not the story he wrote. He said, I'm not letting you in the back door. I'm flinging open the front gates for you. And I'm saying, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're going. I don't care where you've been. I'm saying that one, I want her. I'm going to pay the price for her. I'm going to go get her. And that's not it. I'm going to call her holy. I'm going to call her a co-heir with Christ. I'm going to give her gifts. I'm going to give her purpose. I'm going to give her a future. I'm going to write a life that's better for her than she could ever imagine. That's good news. And so the question is, how do we get that balance, right? How do we get that balance? Because I think what we're doing at best... I'm speaking for me. I'm speaking for my story. I think that what we tend to do at best is we swing back and forth, right? So at best, we like try to be gracious and try to agree that God is gracious. And then we're also like, but also he's also very truthful. And so then we'll step into that. Like on the very micro level of your relationships, we do this relationally, right? In that like sometimes we choose to give grace And sometimes we choose to, like, be truthful. So sometimes when our friend hurts our feelings, we say, like, it's okay, it's okay. She's doing the best she can with what she has. (laughs) Sometimes when your husband ticks you off, you're like, it's okay, I'll be be gracious. I'll be gracious. And then sometimes you bring the truth. He's like, don't do that. That was stupid. (laughs) At the very micro level, to be a woman of grace and truth. Guys, this is... So small and yet literally changes everything. Like, what if we went and said, like, it is okay. God does love you. I forgive you. And also, don't do that again. Like, this is the number one question women ask me about, like, being walking in a balance of grace and truth. Like, how do I swing back and forth? And how do I balance both? And like, so what do I do if a friend hurts me? How do I be gracious and also speak truth to her? And I'm like, you, you literally do both all the time, all at once. That, that scale that Sarah used yesterday, I want you to know what grace and truth looks like on that scale. It's not that God is like, here's a tiny pebble, I'll be gracious. Here's a tiny pebble, I'll give truth. It's that he broke the scale and he put two freaking huge boulders on top of it. And he was like, here's more grace than you're ever going to be able to imagine. And here's more truth than you're ever going to be able to fathom. I am more good and more loving and I am relentlessly coming after you with mercy and healing and love and blessing and gifts and adornment and crowns and glory that you literally do not deserve. And I'm never gonna stop. Not when you forget about me, not when you don't open your Bible for three months, not when you have an affair, Never. I'm coming after you with the biggest boulder of grace. And I'm going to stay holy. And I am never going to stop being perfect. And I am never going to stop saying, remember that this is who I've made you, women of God. I've created you in my image down to the very core of who I am, which is a holy, set-apart otherworldly being. I'm going to give you that identity as well. So honestly, Dance Stand Around is a whole book about this tension. It's a whole book about what it looks like for us to agree. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to cut to the chase and tell you, because this is literally what God told me to say this morning. Here's how you agree with the balance of grace and truth. You're going to have to know actual Jesus. It's literally what he told me to say this morning. You're going to have to know actual Jesus. You're going to have to do that thing where you say, yes, I'm in. And then you're going to have to get to know the one who is full of grace and truth. So how do you do that step two? You're going to have to actually read your Bible. That's it. You're going to have to actually pray. 
and believe that he wants to talk to you. You're going to have to actually partner with the Holy Spirit and stop speaking these weird lies that like you think it's fake or that that happens for other people. It doesn't happen for you or he doesn't talk to you like that. You're going to have to start to agree and say, no, he's made me a kingdom girl. He's given me the native language of prayer to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's given me this massive guidebook and love story and biography about God so that I can know actual Jesus and everything that came before him and everything that came after him and everything that he was doing from Genesis to Revelation so I can know what fully grace and fully truth looks like. But the best news about all of that is that you don't have to do it. You, you absolutely don't. He's still going to be good. He's still going to choose you. He's still going to let you, not in the back door, but the front door of heaven. I think the main thing that God might want to shift in our hearts today is to stop believing that we have to know actual Jesus, that we have to read our Bibles, that we have to pray. And I think he wants us to believe that we get to. I'm going to say it again. I think he wants us to believe that we get to. I think he wants us to believe that we get to. Know God Be known by him. And what will happen when we do? I'm going to read to you guys a little bit from John 4. Actual Jesus, he's number one. So actual Jesus is traveling and he's doing ministry and he's preaching. Um, And a tiny bit of context for this story is that he was going from one town to the other and on the way from that one town to the other is a place called Samaria. And when Jews, which Jesus was, would pass by Samaria, they would actually go intentionally very, very, very out of the way because they were racist (laughs) is why. Um, They were racist and so they didn't want to be around Samaritans. And um, so they would go massively out of their way, walk way out of the way to go on this path. But we know that Jesus came to demolish racism and sexism and all kinds of cultural lies. And so our Jesus does not do what the other racists do. And he goes straight to Samaria and he goes in the middle of the day to a well and there's a woman And so he does this very intense, crazy thing that is full of grace and full of truth. And he goes straight to the heart of two massive cultural lies that women aren't worthy and that Samaritans aren't either. And he starts talking to a woman in the middle of the day, which culturally he should have never done. She should have never had the audacity to talk back to him. And this is what happens. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you even ask me for a drink? Because she knows this is not right. Something's not right here. Jews don't associate with Samaritans. It says it right here, John 4, 9. Jesus answered her, if you knew, friend, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you've done nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, give me that water so I won't keep getting thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He said, go go call your husband. Go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, I know, you're right. You're right when you say you don't have a husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. 
You know some stuff. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we're going to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declares, this is really important, Jesus declares and says, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So actual Jesus came full of grace said, like, I'm coming for you, woman. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to show you worth and value that no one ever has and might never again. Friends, can I say right now, actual Jesus values you. Please listen. Actual Jesus values you. Enough to go to the cross for you. He comes boldly in the face of whatever the enemy's written over your life and said that you're not enough or that you're too broken or that you have to hide. That you're not gifted, that you screwed it all up, that you're too fat, that you're too skinny, that you're too rich, that you're too poor. Actual Jesus comes boldly in the face of that and sees you. And he doesn't stop there. He... He knows her whole story and in grace, he continues to lean in. The word grace literally describes God leaning in towards us. An actual Jesus knows your whole story, has seen it all, still wants to talk to you. And then in truth, he tells you who you are and he tells her who she is. worshiper and then what happens this is the best part just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman but no one asked what do you want or why are you talking to her that's right because the disciples knew that Jesus would give them some truth I think by that point they had started to know that then leaving her water jar Then leaving her water jar, then leaving her water jar, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. I'm not going to read the rest, but you skip down a few paragraphs. And in my Bible, what the next section is described as, what the heading is, many Samaritans believe. Because here's the thing, friends. When we take actual Jesus, who is full of grace and full of truth, when we take him at his word, when he gets in his face and he says, you have worth, I see you. I see what you did. I see what you're gonna do. I'm still super into you. And when he gets close to us and says, you're a worshiper. You're mine. You're a daughter. You have worth. I didn't let you in the back door. I'm bringing you in the front with a parade. When we take actual Jesus at his word about this beautiful balance of grace and truth, and when we start to believe what he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. Many people will believe. We will leave our stinking water jars. We will leave what we thought our life was about. And we will go run and tell anyone who will listen. I want, I want you to know right now, you are meant to be a disciple maker. In Matthew 28, those of you who are wondering what your life purpose is, those of you who are sitting and thinking like, cool for her, but not for me. In Matthew 28, God gave you a life purpose. He put a call on your life, specifically every single literal one of you and said, go and make disciples. Tell them the good news. I'm gonna be with you and I'm not leaving you. And the reason why you're not feeling it, the reason why you're not stepping into that call is because you haven't looked full on at the grace you've been given and 
And if you're anything like me, you might've forgotten that he's holy and what a big stinging deal it is that he came for you. But when you look full on at actual Jesus, when you step into a relationship with him, when you start to believe that he wants to talk to you from the minute you wake up to the moment you go to bed, I dare you to stay quiet. You won't be able to. And I dare you to believe that the people around you will not run to go wherever you're telling them to go. Because when we go to people and we say, I met a guy who knew everything I ever did and still loved me anyways. He doesn't love dancer poised me. He loves broken, messy, secret, sad, hiding, doubtful, fearful me. He knew everything I ever did and he loved me anyways and he got in my face and he's getting in yours right now. He's saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You're mine, you're my daughter, you're a worshiper. I'm not, I don't want you in the back door. I wanna parade you and bring you in the front and I wanna give you gifts. I don't wanna give you purpose. You will run. You will leave that water jar. You will drop whatever you're doing and whatever lie you're believing. And many people will believe. And I'm wondering if you guys want to agree with that tonight. Today. Feels dark in here. (laughs) You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to read your Bible and you don't have to pray and you don't have to change the world. But I'm going to tell you what, in 20 or 30 or 40 or 60 or 80 or 100 years, depending on what happens with science, you're going to be in the ground. And two generations from now, nobody's going to know your name. And you're going to be one place or the other. Like, let's get real about it. You're going to be up there worshiping or you're going to be in hell. Say the real things. Like not cute hell, not like fun. We're having a party commercial hell, like gnashing of teeth and burning flesh. And I want you to all be in heaven with me. And I'm just saying, if you're up there, I want us to be looking at each other and be like, so glad we believed him. I'm so glad we believed him. I'm so glad that we spent every ounce of our 20 or 30 or 40 or 80 or 100 years on earth being wrung out for the glory of God and taking him at his word and running to tell everybody that we could about the man who knew everything we ever did and loved us anyhow. Do y'all want to do that? Okay, that was lackluster at best. You can think about it. Let me, let me pitch the other side for a minute. You can go to hell. That doesn't sound fun. You can believe in God just one time and get to heaven and it's going to be great and eternity is going to be great. But your whole life, you're going to wander aimlessly wondering why you're here when he already told you. And you're going to miss out on agreeing with the guy who came and said, you're a princess. Or you can get up there. We can get up there and meet up. I'm I'm probably never going to see you guys again on earth, but I could meet up and be like, remember that day? You remember that day? We took him at his word. And believe that he wanted to change some lives in Oklahoma City and change the city and change our nation and change the world and change eternity. Remember that day we believed him? Remember that day we believed that it was better? That's like the story I'd rather be a part of. So we're gonna do something now. We're gonna end end today like this. We're not gonna sing. We're not gonna do ministry time. Um, We're gonna end the thing like this, okay? So at altar calls, so last night, I'll just say this. Last night when Sarah preaches, I I wanted to come to the altar call, but I didn't know how y'all would feel about the speaker coming to the altar call. But I wanted to because her message changed my life. The Lord changed my life through it. And it's not worth me being here if it didn't. So I wanted to come to the altar call, but it's not super cool for speakers to do that. And so I also didn't want to like get fired like the night before. Like, you can't come tomorrow. 
It's too messy. She wouldn't do that. Um, we do altar calls. Basically what we say is like, if you're, if you're feeling broken and messy, you can come. We'll be benevolent and we'll pray for you. And that's right. It's good. We should. But I believe we are all broken and messy. I believe even if you look like that dancer, you don't feel like her on the inside. And I believe that all of us have gotten a little bit off kilter when it comes to balancing grace and truth. And I believe that some of y'all just an hour ago said yes to Jesus for the first time. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now to physically agree with what God has done in your heart and in your life this weekend. I wanna give you a chance to physically agree. And so we're gonna do what I like to call a reverse altar call. And we're gonna do it organized because God's not a God of chaos. But here's what I'm thinking. Like if you don't feel God and you'd rather go to hell, you can stay in your seat. We're not gonna be mad at you. I'm serious. I don't want you to feel bad. Listen, I'm a woman of, I'm a woman of destiny and eternity. And so I, th- I thought about eternity a ton before I got saved. I wanna speak to some of y'all right now. I thought about eternity a ton before I got saved. I didn't get saved till I was 15. And every day before that, if you had asked me if I was going to heaven, I would have told you no. I knew I wasn't. I knew I did not want Jesus. Everyone in my life wanted me to have him. And I said, I did not want him. My kids are the exact same. God gave them this weird spiritual gift. I have four kids. Three of them are saved. And all three of my olders, every day until the day they asked Jesus in their heart, I would say, do you want to love God? And they'd say like, nope. Please don't tell other people that, but it's fine. Um, some of you are like, I don't want that. I don't want Jesus. And I'm telling you, I love you. And I bless you to stay in your seat. You get to. We're not gonna, this isn't to shame you or to call you out. It's to say, you get to be where you're at. But I'm saying, if you want Jesus and if you're already in, and if you've been into him for longer than I've been alive, and if you're ready to get back into the balance of grace and truth and to take today and say, I think actually God might wanna change my life today. I think he might wanna change my ministry today. I think he might wanna leave, he might want me to leave my bucket and go tell everybody I ever knew about the man who loved me and had known everything I ever did that I wanna have you come down here and I wanna just pray with you because I'm in it with you. He's still changing my life about this today. So I'm gonna start praying. And if you're, if you're feeling any of that, I'm gonna say first, first I'm gonna invite the people who have just asked Jesus into their heart this weekend. Even if it's right now. I'm gonna let y'all come first in a second. And then I'm gonna invite people one at a time, but we're gonna close our eyes, but it's, nobody's gonna feel weird because we're all gonna be here. And if, and if you're not feeling Jesus, you get to stay where you're at. But if you are, let's do that. Let's agree, let's end this conference physically agreeing with what God has done in our hearts and our lives, okay? Holy Spirit, be near, stir up some affections in the hearts of your women tonight. Stir up some affections and some boldness. Father, I thank you for the women that have just met you this weekend. If that's you, I want you to come right now. Even if it's happening right now, even as you're getting up and walking, I want you to just say like, Jesus, I'm in. That's what it takes. If you've done that for the first time this weekend, I wanna invite you to come now because we wanna celebrate with you. If you raise your hand, if you set it in your heart, If you said, Jesus, I'm in, or if you're saying it now, will you come? We wanna pray over you and we wanna agree in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the hearts that you've grabbed. I thank you for the women that you've crossed from death to life. Next, I wanna pray for the women who have abandoned grace or forgotten about truth. Maybe they've heard and they've felt it in their spirit. Like, oh, I forgot about one of those. I forgot about being gracious. I forgot that God was gracious towards me or I forgot about truth. I forgot that I get to be a woman of truth and a woman of this word. I wanna invite those women to come now. And I wanna say, I'm right here with them. I forgot, God, I forgot. Women, y'all can come right now and we'll pray with you and for you. And we will agree in Jesus' name that we are not women who swing wildly between grace or truth. We are full of both, just like your son is. We just say, Satan, we're sorry for you. Um, It's gonna really hurt when we step into some belief and some balance. 
It's going to hurt for you when we stop moving tiny pebbles from one side of the scale to the other. And when the boulder of grace and truth hits our hearts and hits our lives. We're sorry. Bummer. Father, thank you for these women. I pray that you would stir up more grace than they could ever imagine, that they would feel it, that they would perceive how much you love them and they would literally feel you leaning in towards them just like a human here on earth would. Pray that you would bring the hearts of your women back to truth, that you would make us women who love the word. God, I pray for the women who... um, have forgotten that they have a call and I just invite them to come now. If you forgot that God made you to make disciples, if you forgot that for a minute or if you never heard it and no one ever told you, I wanna invite you to come right now because he is inviting you into a life that is better. He is saying, put down that silly bucket and pick up a call on your life. I wanna invite those women to come now because you've made them disciple makers. You've made them truth speakers. You're calling up gifts in them. Some of them you want to run on mission. Some of them you want to plant new churches. Some of them you want to write books through. Some of them you want to minister to the moms in their playgroup. Some of them you want to go to their baristas and to their roommates and tell them about the man who knew everything they ever did and loved them anyhow. And they are done counting the cost. They are dropping that rusty bucket and stepping into your call on their life. And I thank you and I pray over these women, God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would commission us with boldness and with the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. For everybody else in the room that you're saying like, no, I knew that, I I remember that I haven't forgotten about grace, I haven't forgotten about truth. I knew I was a disciple maker. I wanna ask that you would come now and let God make you a leader and start to continually agree with the fact that if you already remembered those things and if you've already been walking in those things, that he needs you to go in grace and truth and tell the other women in your life. We're not, we're not going in the back door. We're going in the front. He called us daughters. He called us co-heirs. If you're feeling Jesus at all, you just come on to the front. Holy Spirit, would you be gentle and complete? Would you shift something in eternity? Would you shift something in the supernatural right now while we physically move our bodies and agree? Jesus, you're the only one, you're the king, you're the prize. You're the only one that we want. We wanna know more about you. We wanna know more about how gracious you are. We want to feel the weight of your mercy. We want to feel the strength of your power. And we also want to remember that you're good and holy and true and just and righteous. And you've called us that too. God, we don't want to stop running ever. We don't want to stop remembering that the reason why we're here is to bring as many people with us into the marvelous light that you've brought us into. Please help us to remember that. Please help us to keep running so that many will believe. Please help us to keep cheering our sisters on as they run, to look to them and not compare ourselves to them and not tear them down and not think the worst of them, but to just yell at one another over and over again. I see you keep going, keep running, don't stop. Don't pick up that bucket. Don't go back to fishing. This is what we were made for. Holy Spirit, we agree. Father God, we agree. You can keep changing our hearts. You can keep changing our life. You can keep changing eternity. I pray that you would remind these women of the ones that are standing to their left and their right, the ones that they saw walking. I pray that you would remind them of this moment so they can continually just ask one another, are you agreeing with what happened that day? Are your eyes still on him? Are you still remembering what you're here for? Are you agreeing with what happened that day? Are you agreeing with that thing that happened on earth, but also in eternity. 
We love you, God. We love you because you first loved us. You are good. Change us. Keep changing us. Use us to change the world and change eternity from this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.